Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for allowing us to be here today. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. All right, so I have a question. I always like to ask you questions that you can't answer. So just keep in your head, you know. So what pops into your mind when I say to you, listen to God and God will guide you? Just what, what's in your mind, the reaction immediately? When I was young, people used to say that to me all the time. You know, I'd have a crisis or something, and people would be like, just listen to God. God will tell you what to do. And I was really frustrated about that because God didn't talk to me. I never, you know, hear God's, I didn't hear God's voice in my head saying, Laura, you need to do this, and Laura, you need to do that. And so when I was told to listen to God, those felt like empty words to me. Words spoken by people giving advice who didn't know what else to say. And so they said that. I don't know if you've ever felt like that before. But as I got older, I became more practiced in my faith. I began to grow into this ability to listen to God. And more importantly, I grew into the ability to hear God speak to me. Do I hear a voice? Of course not. Except there, there was that one time, but that's a whole other sermon. Most of the time, I don't hear a voice. And I'm not crazy, I promise. But usually, no, I don't hear the voice, but do I hear a voice in my thoughts speaking words to me? No. What I find is, after a time of prayer, asking God to guide me in a decision or to lead me to a solution or to help me change my attitude to something more godly, and then once I've spent plenty of time in silence just listening to God, after a while, sometimes after days, I usually slip into a kind of um, knowing at some point along the way. Our scripture says, Let me hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace to his people to his faithful, to those who turn to him in their hearts. The knowing that I'm talking about is a feeling of peace when I come to the right decision. If I feel unsettled about something, that's usually an indication that God is leading me away from it. And if peace settles into my belly, then I know it's right. And that doesn't mean that some of the decisions that God leads me to aren't completely and utterly terrifying. Pushing me far outside of my comfort zone because often God does that to me. But there is still a feeling of certainty in the decision. As the psalmist says, God speaks peace to his people. 
Sometimes God's will becomes known very literally, simply because all of the options but one fall away. For example, I was shopping for a car last week. Um, Actually, for the last few weeks, I've been shopping for a car. And uh, I went into the process by asking God to guide me to the car that I would love, to the car that I could afford, uh, and to the car that would serve me well for many, many years. Because I drive a car until it's dead. Uh, That's just how it is. And I needed a good car that I could depend on. And at the start of the process, I had all of these ideas of what I would like to have. And there were many options for me. But as the shopping went on, the options were eventually narrowed down to one available car. Some cars were simply out of my price range. Some cars that I thought I'd really like to end up with ended up not having any of the features that I needed or they were uncomfortable to drive or, you know, just things like that. And some ended up being sold before I ever even got a chance to make a decision. And in the end, I got the car that's parked out there in the parking lot, and I could not be happier. But more importantly, because I gave it to God before I even began shopping, because I sincerely wanted to do God's will, because I took every elimination from the pool of possibility as a word from God saying, that one's not for you. I walked away from the process with a certainty that God had led me to something perfect for me. Now, even though the thought of a car payment for the first time in eight years is overwhelming and daunting, I can sleep at night because God, God's will is perfect, and I know that God spoke to me. Now, that was just deciding on something to buy. Granted, it was a major purchase, but still not earth-shattering to anyone else around me. So what happens when a whole community falls into the practice of turning to God to lead them in every decision? When a church family gets really good at asking God to guide everything that they do? Or when a town does it, or a whole nation. Can you imagine? Let me hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace to his people, to his faithful, to those who turn to him in their hearts. Surely his salvation is at hand for those who fear him, that the glory may dwell in our land. That God's glory may dwell in our land. Well, I'm pretty much 100% sure that almost none of our politicians and leaders, either state or federal, are turning to God to guide them in decisions that they're making for us. And if some are praying on an individual basis, God bless them. But it's clear to me that the collective whole is not. And it's clear to me Because there is no so much unrest in our leadership. Consequently, there is unrest among the people. There is so much injustice in our system. There is so much unnecessary arguing among our leaders that lead to nothing more than stalemates. Nothing significant 
hardly ever happens because they are more concerned with winning an argument than doing something good for the people that they represent or for doing what God wants them to do. And I know, I know, I know. But Laura, what do you expect? That's politics. Politics has always been like that and always will be. Except it doesn't have to be. Because when leaders listen to God's, to what God is saying, steadfast love and faithfulness will meet. Righteousness and peace will kiss each other. Faithfulness will spring up from the ground and righteousness will look down from the sky. The Lord will give what is good and our land will yield its increase. Righteousness will go before him and will make a path for his steps. How gorgeous is that imagery? Righteousness and peace will kiss each other. Righteousness, morality, honesty, justice, and peace, reconciliation, harmony, tranquility, shalom. Righteousness and peace will kiss each other. And on the surface, this is beautiful simply because it illustrates an amazing intimacy between righteousness and peace. But it goes even deeper than that. It connotes the holy kiss that was common in those days and for many, many centuries. A holy kiss is one that is not disingenuous or deceitful, contrary to Judas's kiss to Jesus. Rather, a holy kiss between Christians is to express brotherly and sisterly love and unity. Often, a new Christian would be ostracized from their family and their friends. And a holy kiss would communicate a familial closeness. And further, when Jewish and Gentile Christians would greet each other with a holy kiss, the action communicated an acceptance and a close fellowship. So in a world where righteousness and peace rarely have a close fellowship, in a world where we are all fighting each other on every point, whether it's racism or funding the police or how to regulate gun ownership or whether or not to keep the practice of the filibuster or how to care for the earth. In a world where we are all fighting each other on every point, we hardly even know what it would look like if justice and harmony held hands and fellowshiped together, do we? But God knows what it looks like. And God knows how we can get to such a state in this land. Let me hear what the Lord will speak. Today, we celebrate the independence of these United States of America. We celebrate the vision of our founding fathers, the vision of a country where every human being is free to seek life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Granted, even our founders were painfully short-sighted about what every human being meant <laughs> uh, and what that promise should or could look like. But they had the dream that made our lives possible today. Their vision of freedom 
particularly the freedom to worship God however we feel called to worship, was so groundbreaking at the time in our world, at that time in our world, that I feel like God had to have been a part of that decision, had to have been a guiding force in that vision. Many of them must have been listening to God when they wrote and signed the Declaration of Independence, don't you think? Let me hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace to his people, to his faithful, to those who turn to him in their hearts. Surely his salvation is at hand for those who fear him, that his glory may dwell in our land. There has never been a day in this country when every person got to experience true peace like God wants us all to have. We haven't gotten there yet. We are a country run by sinners, filled with sinners after all. But we are a country whose values based in freedom give us the ability to be led by God. If we are willing to listen, if we are willing to listen. Now, so many people seem to think that we have fallen away from God because we've taken prayer out of the schools or we've taken the Ten Commandments down from the courthouses. But I think, I don't think that any of that is the problem. Our scripture does not tell us that we have to start every school day with a rote prayer and have Bible verses written on the walls of certain rooms in our country. Our scripture tells us that God will speak peace to his people, to those who turn to him in their hearts. Just because someone doesn't read a prayer over the loudspeaker in homeroom, there is nothing that stops our children and our teachers from turning to God in their hearts every moment of the day. We, the church families, the parents, the grandparents, the aunts and the uncles, we have to teach our children to pray without ceasing, no matter what is going on around them. And just because the Ten Commandments aren't hanging on the walls in the courthouses, that doesn't mean that every lawyer, defendant, complainant, judge, and jury cannot turn to God in their hearts and ask God to lead them. There is nothing in our legal system, nothing in our culture, nothing in our society that is stopping us from turning to God in every moment, from, the be, from, the, from being in awe of God at every turn, from choosing to do God's will in every moment, every day. The right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness that our country promises us They give us everything we need to live in perfect peace and righteousness because our country acknowledges the right to listen to God and to do God's will. The only thing stopping God's glory from living in our land is the people who don't listen to what God is saying. God wants us to listen because God is speaking. And God yearns for us to hear. Let me hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace to his people, 
to his faithful, to those who turn to him in their hearts. Surely his salvation is at hand for those who fear him, that his glory may dwell in our land. Steadfast love and faithfulness will meet. Righteousness and peace will kiss each other. Faithfulness will spring up from the ground and righteousness will look down from the sky. The Lord will give what is good and our land will yield its increase. Righteousness will go before him and will make a path for his steps. Amen? Amen. Amen.